Welcome to Mindharma, real conversations about what really matters. Welcome to the Mindharma podcast. My name is Sam Joyce, and in this series, we are speaking with different folks about their personal journeys of resilience and growth. We'll also be exploring the important topic of workplace mental health. I'm delighted that our next Mindharma podcast features two guests, John McGarvey and Pauline Askin, who talk about their roles as peer supporters in the organisations they work for. John is a senior firefighter at Fire and Rescue New South Wales. He's been a member of the Fire and Rescue New South Wales Peer Support Network for more than 10 years. John is also a mental health first aid instructor. Fire and Rescue New South Wales has had a peer support network for nearly 30 years, and it's one of the oldest among first responder organisations in Australia. It currently has 60 active peers. Pauline is the editorial office manager in Sydney for Reuters, the world's largest news provider. Pauline joined the Reuters Peer Support Network in 2016, a year after it was established. Reuters has 59 peers across the globe from a multitude of cultures and backgrounds. While peer networks are well-established in police and emergency services, they have yet to take hold in other sectors more broadly, despite growing evidence that they can be a pillar of mental health support to employees. Today, John and Pauline speak with Dean Yates about the important role peer support networks play in their organisations. We hope you enjoy this podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their ancestors, elders, and Aboriginal leaders, past, present, and emerging. Hi, Pauline and John. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Dean. Yeah, hi, Dean. Thanks for having us. John, what do peers do at Fire and Rescue New South Wales? And and can you also talk me through a typical scenario that might involve a peer? Yeah, okay. Um, Well, I think the first thing to bring to everyone's attention is that peer supporters within within fire and rescue are operational firefighters. That's their primary primary role. And they volunteer um, to be peer supporters. Um, so they obviously do their, their primary role as, as firefighters. They're riding the trucks with their colleagues, attending incidents, but they also provide um, that peer support function um, within the fire brigade as a volunteer. Um, the types of scenarios that uh, they can be involved in. Um, so traditionally, so many, many years ago when the, when the peer team first started, the traditional role of a peer supporter was in that critical incident um, type support role, um, helping firefighters and supporting firefighters that attend those um, nasty incidents from day to day and just providing, um, you know, information, support, and referral to to professional support uh, when required. That was kind of the traditional role of the peer supporter. But say in the last 10 years or so, um, we've started, the peer team has started to move into sort of a more holistic role within the fire brigade, and they provide advice and support and referral again, um, you know, on many, many different facets of a firefighter's life. you know, including, um, you know, uh, workplace conflict issues, um, long-term physical and emotional or, or mental health issues, professional standards issues, and, of course, those um, critical incident-type um, events. 
as well as providing support and advice and guidance and referral um, for those firefighters that might be having, you know, some personal private issues. So it's really looking at the overall uh, mental health of a, a particular firefighter. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've, we've, we've come to understand that, um, you know, it's, it's important that our firefighters, you know, they may be having some, some problems outside of work. There, there, there's relationship breakdowns and financial issues and all those sorts of things. So we need to be supporting and finding ways to help our firefighters um, in their personal lives so that when they turn up to work, we can set those alarms off, those bells off um, at any time, of, any time of day and send them off to, you know, something that quite, can be quite nasty. So, you know, we, we have that understanding that uh, we really need to be look up, looking after and supporting them in a really holistic way. Pauline, what do the peers at Reuters do? Um, how does the system uh, operate? I mean, I, sh I should add that for the benefit of listeners that I was a journalist and editor at Reuters for 26 years. And in my final role as head of journalist mental health, I worked closely with the, the company's amazing peer network. Yeah, thanks, Dean. I think there's a lot of similarities to what John said earlier. In ours, you know, Reuters are a group of volunteers. The peers are a group of volunteers that... Um, in the global organization who've been trained to look and listen. By this, Dean, I mean, like, we look out for our colleagues and make ourselves available at a time that works for both parties, for somebody who needs to maybe have a chat about something that's going on. And some of the scenarios could be, you know, a bomb blast, an earthquake, or the loss of a loved one. It varies, it's very varied. We're there as support and to listen and to be a step towards um, maybe moving on to getting seeking some counselling. One thing we're not are counsellors. We're trained to listen and support those people in that environment. It's very much based on a trust uh, basis. So if somebody is going through a tough time, they may not reach out automatically. We may spot something and just have a quiet chat with somebody. Or it could be that they come and ask, would there be a convenient time to talk about something, whether it's work-related or home-related, or one is impacting the other. We operate in the same way. Um, Pauline, no one gets paid for being a peer, and it can obviously take up a lot of time alongside having a full-time job. Why did you want to become a peer? I think I was always a peer before I knew I was one, in that my personality lends itself to genuine empathy and spotting things. And I never shied away from having, you know, discussions with people that were going through a tough time. The difference was I wasn't trained at that time to do that, but I always made time to just have a chat with somebody and noticing the difference that made, because quite often people don't know how to talk to somebody who's going through a difficult time. Um, so when I saw the advert for this um, peer network, in the first one was uh, run by Helen Long in London, saw an opportunity for a peer network in Reuters. She, it, I think she worked for quite a few years to make it happen. In 2015, it came on board. I joined the following year. And like, that made a difference in terms of I then received training to become an official peer. And I was part of a network of people who could 
help one another too in times where there were difficult times. So yeah, I definitely always had an interest in it. The difference was I didn't have training beforehand and having training certainly gives me confidence. What was that sort of training that you received at the time? So we're the organisation, Reuters that is, um, employs a company called CIC, who are Global Trauma uh, Support Programme. They're based in London. So for us to apply to become a peer, you have to go through like a, quite a rigorous interview to make sure that the candidates, candidates that are selected are the right people. After that, then once a year, there's an intake. Uh, the peers, the new peers go to London for two days to be trained. And a lot of that is learning the power of listening, learning how to listen, and having a lot of role play and, and scenarios, meeting the other peers that you'll work with. And that's only the start of it, though. From there on, CIC, you know, assign a um, support trainer with to us who will then look out for us and make sure that we're okay. They do regular calls. Once a month, we have calls with CIC. So all the peers around the world who can make it dial into that call. We discuss things that are going on generally. No cases are mentioned, but things like, um, for example, COVID-19 at the moment, or if there's been some big story somewhere, how are the sort of things going to impact us? How are we going to work with our colleagues as peers? So it's ongoing. They do a fantastic job, I have to say. Okay, great. Um, John, how about you? What was your motivation to become a peer? Yeah, um, so I, I, you know, come from um, two sort of male-dominated uh, industries. I, before I joined the fire brigade, I was in the construction industry and um, had a great time in, in the uh, construction industry, had, you know, wonderful colleagues, um, and then joining the fire brigade, um, I really felt like I had found my my thing in life. And um, good people really love the the people in the fire brigade, love the organisation. But I did I I had formed a strong bond with the with the crew that I was um, working with, and um, had come to there was some personal and private issues that a few of the crew members were going through. And, you know, we were, we were going off to some pretty nasty incidents and I could just see that, you know, we didn't quite have the knowledge and skills to support our mates. And um, we, had, we had the chaplain turn up at one point and, um, um, you know, talk to, us a bit, to, talk to us about a couple of things and ways of uh, supporting and looking out for our mates. And he just encouraged me to, had I thought about joining the peer team, and I hadn't really heard about it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did think to myself, you know what? I would like to learn some, um, some skills to better uh, support um, my mates, my colleagues um, through some of these tough times that, that, they, that we can go through. Um, you know, it's not all the time, but um, yeah, there's definitely, life can be messy. And then we turn up at the fire station and we go off to, to help other people, and yeah, I just thought we could, I, I could do a better job um, at at learning to uh, assist my colleagues and, and just provide them with with better support. 
And, and how does the training work at Fire and Rescue New South Wales? Yeah, so very similar to um, what happens at Reuters by the sound, sounds of things. Um, we, you know, again, the, the foundation of our training um, really is around that crisis intervention, that uh, critical incident space. So um, our peers do a, a course called Assisting Individuals in Crisis and Assisting Groups in Crisis. Um, that's sort of a bit of a foundation, uh, you know, keystone of the program. Um, and then we also go on to do um, mental health first aid, um, which again gives people just those general skills in, in uh, helping someone that's developing a mental health problem. And we also um, do other courses like the suicide intervention training, that those assist type courses. Um, we also have an annual conference that sort of revolves around, um, you know, very much um, encouraging the peers um, uh, around self-care and um, also professional development. So, yeah, so that's the sort of foundation um, of the training that, that a peer might um, go through at Fire and Rescue. Thanks, John. Pauline, what would you say have been the biggest benefits of the Reuters peer network to staff there? Having people that they can talk to other than their managers, I think, I'm speaking personally, um, I think some people aren't comfortable talking to their managers and they can talk to a colleague and not be judged. And I'm certainly not saying the manager would judge them. I think that there's often a concern for employees that if they speak up about something that maybe they could, it could impact their career. When in fact, that isn't the case, but having somebody, a buffer between that can help. I think that's one of sort of the advantages. Also, you know, they don't have to, I'm a peer here in Australia for Australia and New Zealand, but if somebody didn't want to, if they had an issue and they wanted to speak to a peer, they don't have to talk to me down in Australia because maybe they feel I might judge them. So they, there's 59 of us around the world. It's easily documented, you know, um, easy to find the information about the peer network on our internal um, intranet. And they can select anybody they want to talk to and send an email or a phone call and say, could we tee up a time? That's a benefit that we didn't have before the peer network was around. Um, from that, then, you know, it can move on to if, they, if the peer or the person themselves realizes maybe they need somebody else in a more professional role to speak to, then they can take, you know, counselling, which is provided by Reuters in a confidential manner. So having not had that, I've worked in this company for a very long time, and then having it, there's a huge difference, you know, it's a benefit to everyone and a benefit to managers and wider, you know, um, senior management who worked hard to put this in place too. Thanks, Pauline. And John, with the firefighters, I mean, firefighters got an image of being tough folks, right? Have to go out and, and do a very, very, what can at times be a very dangerous job. Um, I, I know when we spoke last, you talked about how the, the peer network, the peers at in Fire and Rescue New South Wales have helped break down stigma around mental health. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I certainly think that has been a huge benefit um, and, a, and a huge culture change within 
within fire and rescue. Um, yes, you know, um, we think of ourselves as the rescuers. We, we do the rescuing, um, you know, and, but from time to time, um, we need, we might need a little bit of help. And it's been, you know, hard for us, hard for um, fireys or, or all emergency service personnel really um, to, you know, put their hand up and say, Do you know what, I just, I just might need some help here. Um, yeah, that's, that's traditionally been a pretty hard thing to do, as I say, because we, you know, we're looked at as the rescuers and we think of ourselves as, as, the, as the problem solvers, the rescuers. Um, so that has been a huge, the peer team has had a, you know, a real impact on changing the culture within um, not only our organisation, but the emergency services um, in general. Um, you know, and being able to, um, you know, identify when we, someone might need help and getting that assistance early, not letting it develop into that crisis situation uh, where it takes a lot of effort, a lot of resources to bring someone back from. Um, so that's, yeah, that re re um, reduction in stigma has, has, has been a real, real benefit. Um, the, the, the thing with, that we've noticed with, this, with stigma uh, really is around this area of self-stigma uh, where people um, think that their, their mates, their colleagues are going to think less of them if they do put their, their hand up for, for some assistance. Whereas what we've found is when someone does put their hand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm not travelling too well here, we've noticed that people can't, you know, that, that they're, they're quick to help. They want to help. They want to support their friend, their colleague, um, their mate. Um, they they want to see them recover. They want to see them thrive. So, yeah, we've, we've seen a real culture change in, in that regard. People are, re are really starting to notice that, hey, you know, I, I, I can, you know, I, I can ask for, for assistance. Would you say that that self-stigma mainly uh, has applied to men? Uh, yes, I, I think so. Although, you know, as I was saying, I, th I think um, whether you're a, a male or female within the emergency services, there, there is that um, belief that, you know, we're, we're the rescuers, we're, we're, we're here to sort problems out. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it def definitely is... Um, a male characteristic, but I think it's a it's a, definitely a characteristic within the the emergency service field, really. Thanks, John. And another question for you, John. And, and you guys have touched on this a bit, but peer supporters are clearly passionate about others. John, can you talk a little bit about the importance of self care for the peers themselves and what Fire and Rescue New South Wales is doing specifically to make sure the peers look after themselves? Yeah, really good question, Dean. And and um, it has been very topical for us within fire and rescue um, uh, in recent times. You know, we, we have had peers in the past that, you know, have suffered from, you know, I guess what we call compassion fatigue. And, um, yeah, the, you know, as you say, you know, peers are, are generally empathetic type people and they, they want to go above and beyond and support their, their colleagues and their, and their mates sometimes to the detriment of their own well-being. Um, so, yeah, we really do encourage, and, and we've got a couple of things in place within 
fire and rescue um, to try and make sure that peers are looking after themselves. Um, so the, the first strategy that we use there is peer supervision. So the wellbeing coordinator who's, who runs the peer team uh, monitors the peers, monitors what sort of um, support they're providing, um, what sort of situations that they are providing support in and, and, and advice. And the peer, the, the wellbeing coordinator um, from time to time might recommend that that peer take a step back, take a break, you know, reduce their workload, things like that. The second strategy we try to use is um, a thing that we call uh, well checks, which is an appointment with a psychologist that each peer must attend at least once a year. Um, and that's basically, it's an assumption that the peer is traveling well, but this, the psychologist will talk to them about what's working well in their life and may, what might need some attention. Identify early those areas that um, you know, just might need a little bit of attention so that they don't end up um, suffering from those um, you know, stress and compassion fatigue type symptoms. And thirdly, um, so we have, as I said, we have our annual peer conference or retreat um, where we really try to focus on you know, providing the peers with some skills and knowledge around self-care. We've actually had uh, Dr. Sive Joyce come to our, our retreat and provide us with some training um, on mindfulness. Um, we certainly use the uh, Mind Armour program to um, um, help our peers develop those mindfulness-type skills. Yeah, so that's, that's generally the three main areas, the three strategies that we use um, um, to develop our, our peers' skills and knowledge around self-care. That's great, John. Thank you. Pauline, I just wanted to get your thoughts um, on the advice that you would give to uh, any organisation that, that might be looking to start up a, a peer support network, which, as John mentioned, this is, these are very much embedded in uh, first responder organisations, and obviously Reuters has one. But what, would you give, what sort of advice would you give for those that are looking to uh, establish one? Yeah, I think all industries should have a peer network, Dean. The first piece of advice I'd give is do your homework. Look at your organisation and look at organisations outside of that are similar and see if they have a peer network. See, can you then adapt their um, model to yours? I think, you know, I know that in other, um, other news organisations look at our successful model. So clearly Reuters are doing something right. And um, we're doing lots of things right, I should add. Uh, but the most important thing after that is making sure that you have a counselling service, support, trauma support network behind you. For us at CIC, have the equivalent to that. I think it's really important that you have really good training, the right candidates, with the help of, like, a support group like CIC, they can vet them, see that these people that will work. It's it's important for both sides, for the peer and for the organisation. But then having an employee assisted programme behind that, this is where this um, like CIC can come into play. And there are lots of companies similar to theirs. I'm using CIC's name many times here, but it's just because that's who look after us, who work there in the backbone with our, as for us peers, 
I think they're crucial elements to setting up a peer network that will be successful. Thanks, Pauline. John, last question for you. Um, obviously got to talk about the recent horrific bushfire season in, in New South Wales uh, and, and obviously across it affected many, many parts of Australia. What was it like for the peer supporters in Fire and Rescue New South Wales during that um, that horrific time? And, and were there some lessons learned for you, for you folks? Yeah, great question, Dean. Um, you know, this word has probably been bandied about a lot, but it really was an unprecedented fire scene, uh, uh, fire season. You know, pretty much started in uh, late August, you know, early September, um, with you know horrific fires up, you know, in New South Wales on the on the on the Queensland border. You know, the workload of our of our of our of our firefighters was huge, um, especially um, those. Um, you know, part-time uh, firefighters that are attached to fire and rescue. You know, they're trying to run their own lives, their own businesses, and then um, also any any spare moments they had, you know, they were off uh, trying to fight these fires. And the length of the season, the intensity of the season, um, yeah, it really was um, a very difficult time. The exposure to... Uh, yeah, the uh, the level of destruction. Um, you know, we we had n- not only you know houses burning down, but the the destruction to the natural environment was horrific. You know, we had we we had firefighters whose houses were were burning down. So it really was um, an intense an intense time. You know, our colleagues at the RFS had uh, some some fatalities. Um, they had three local firefighters um, who who were involved in in a ter- terrible nasty incidents, and also three international firefighters who were also killed um, while out here helping us with the fires. All those things um, contribute to you know the organi- all the all firefighters, both both organisations having huge levels of um, of stress. So for our peers, this this it was just a constant, constant, constant uh, uh, monitoring of firefighters, assessing how they're travelling, um, doing their best to provide, you know, that immediate type support and encouragement to make sure that fire, firefighters were having some downtime, looking after themselves, getting back to their families. Yeah, so th- so it was a very demanding time. Then there were certainly some lessons lessons learnt. You know, I think um, you know one 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 lesson prob- probably that we could do better is to, um, just planning a little bit a bit a little bit better for um, situations like that. We probably would like to grow the peer team a little bit more, but yeah, gen- generally speaking, you know, the we are pretty good at looking after our our people and our and our mates. Um, I know it's a very high priority for the leadership in each organisation both the physical and and mental health of our of our firefighters um, so yeah it's it was a really really tough time and um, the ramifications are still playing out you know we we, we sort of um, went from you know the bushfire season end, ending and putting some plans in place to get out to some of these stations and provide a little bit of psychoeducation. Um, you know, make sure that they are looking after themselves and doing those things that they enjoy. Um, you know, giving giving them just them 
some advice and support, you know, we, we kind of almost missed that opportunity because we've gone straight into the COVID-19 uh, restrictions and response. And so, yeah, it's been a really, really interesting but um, pretty difficult time. That's great, John. Thank you for sharing your thoughts there um, on what has been a very intense period for Fire and Rescue New South Wales. And thanks to you both for, for um, your time and sharing your experience as peer supporters. Uh, it, it's a wonderful job that you both do. And, uh, and I think um, I'm sure listeners will agree that peer support networks are a wonderful benefit for organisations. Uh, thank you again for joining me. Thanks, thank Dean. you, Dean. Thank you very much. The Mindama podcast shares stories of personal resilience and mental health. If you are impacted by any of the stories shared in the podcast, please consider reaching out for support. In Australia, you may choose to call Lifeline on 13 11 14. If you are living outside of Australia, please visit befrienders.org for support services in your country. Thank you for joining us on the Mindama podcast. We invite you to discover even more with the Mindama e-learning program. Mindama is an award-winning program being used by thousands of workers as they take on some of the world's most challenging roles. Learn more about your brain, unwind with relaxing guided mindfulness exercises, and discover simple, practical skills you can use whenever the going gets tough. Find out more at mindama.com. Purchase online, or better still, ask your boss about bringing Mindama into your workplace.